When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. everybody, welcome to episode 183 of Red Wings Rant, where tirades and passion pleas for your Detroit Red Wings finally have a home. Tonight we're going to be having a little bit of celebratory uh, conversation here. Uh, we probably probably would have been more fun last night where we were all flying high, but we probably need probably need a minute to, to settle down and then kind of reassess the situations but uh, the situation is this mike we're on a three-game winning streak we're feeling good uh the red wings have made us feel bad for so long and uh i think i think we're just ready to enjoy it performance art here brennis woo good to know you man on, on twitter we're fine we're chit-chatting we're dming on twitter that was fun last night um so i'm, I'm yeah you guys got to introduce yourselves on twitter so we can get uh get those Get those uh, more heartfelt conversations. I feel, uh, Mike. Let's let's talk narrative here. How, how are you feeling with with the wingdings? You 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 look ready to chat. I ready to am. Go. I'm feeling like that's one. Matt, we're two more for my prediction, and we can start talking playoffs next week. <laughs> but this this Oilers game, um, not only was it a lot of fun, uh, the crowd was electric. Soap dish, how you doing? Uh, I was reading The Athletic uh, this morning when I was uh, on the clock uh, taking the dump. And <laughs> it's exactly what that article deserved because all it wanted to do was talk about, well, look at who they've played. They've played Columbus. They've played Chicago. They've played Montreal, the crappiest teams in the league. And I'm like, I, I'm not going to play that argument because they went toe-to-toe with Tampa Bay. They played really well against Florida. And now they've played really well against Edmonton. I I, I don't think you can kind of just dock them for getting wins against teams they're supposed to beat. Um, and, I, I, I mean, maybe we didn't have, you know, Oilers, you know, top goaltender out there as we saw from uh, that little whoopsie-doo uh, behind the net that uh, resulted in Larkin's goal. But, I mean, dry cycles right there. Connor McDavid's right there. I, I mean, they, they weren't – this wasn't the Vegas game. Like, this was this was still buzzsaw for, for, for my purposes. This was still buzzsaw Edmonton. So, I think this victory definitely counts. I'm not going to poo-poo it because of which goaltender was out there. And, it, it for me, it wasn't 60 minutes of domination. But it did feel like, man, we're – being opportunistic and, you know, Nemestikov all of a sudden, uh, I, I don't know if he's decided he's going to have a career year. Uh, thank you, Brennan's, uh, the Caps game as well. And uh, I hope the Wings don't forget the other Caps game coming up tomorrow that I'm going to be at, uh, to be part of that <laughs> But, yeah, this didn't feel like a cheap victory. 
Um, it felt like a solid all-around effort. It felt like a couple lines were actually getting good scoring chances. And, you know, it didn't come down to, and I think this is something you want to touch on, um, you know, Red Wing depth or Red Wings uh, due for goals. Uh, hopefully they're capable of scoring goals. But we were just leading, on, you know, Bertuzzi getting three goals or four goals. Uh, he didn't score any goals, and we still managed to come out on top. Um, against the Euler buzzsaw. So it was encouraging, uh, but I'm, whew, man, I'm going to be fascinated if we get the Capitals win. Um, and then I, I feel like the, the games, dare I say, get, get easier from Edmonton because now it should be Washington, who, again, does not have a fantastic goalie situation. And then whew, we go into the Blood Bowl against our rivals all of a sudden, Montreal, who has our number. So we're really close to saying the P word, Matt, but we need two more wins on the prediction trail. Can I can I just throw this out there too? Like after the Canadians game, like there are some winnable games coming up after that. Um, I mean, like for sure, it's you'd want them all to be Arizona, but Arizona's included. Uh, but you've got the Blue Jackets, Stars, another game against the Golden Knights, and then Arizona are your next four games after the Canadians. You have four very winnable games right there. There is this is that chunk of games. This will lead us like right into Thanksgiving, where they say that cutoff is like, all right, who's for real and who's not, um, and that's where we really want to make that that assessment. And then we'll say, all right, even if if we're in a spot, if we're in a wild card spot, do we still say this is for real? Do we say that there are too many things that are putting us in in, in good favor? And I, I I'll start I'll start the conversation of my thought with. Uh, with is this is this for real is um you know let's not forget when we, when we got blown out and we were down mike you and i were discussing like let's not forget dylan larkin and tyler bertuzzi are out right and and right. when we have larkin and bertuzzi uh what are we're we're like five one and and two right now or something like that yeah i think uh, five two and one but yeah. Five, two, and one. I mean, we're just yeah. we're we're a much better team when we can actually put out the lineups that we're practicing with. And clearly, I mean, Iserman picks these guys up. Uh, Blashel coaches them and puts them somewhere in his lineup because he sees a plan and has a strategy he wants to put in place. So when you can actually do what the coach wants to do, you can do what the GM uh, brought players in to do. The the games go better. Um, and, and I know some of the argument right now is, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Mike, um, with Skinner last night, you know, you're playing a rookie who's in his second game and he has that bonehead move. But I tell you what, Mike, that, that's an outlier. He played he played a pretty good game and that move isn't going to happen to another goaltender for another 50 years, <laughs> you know, so you can look at that and say, you know what? We probably got, you know, an extra goal there that we probably shouldn't have gotten. But, um, I mean, if you take a look at it, like, his numbers aren't damning at all. He, he walks away with a, a 2.49 goal saved above expected. So he's expected, based on analytics, to give up 5.49 goals. That's how good of a game we played against the Edmonton fucking possess the puck all night Oilers. All right? Yeah. This is, I mean, clear. you know, clearly a lot of what Edmonton does right is on special teams and the power play, 
but you're still playing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, who they split up into two different lines, and you were able to dominate, dominate from an expected goals for perspective I, for three periods. Now, those first two periods, those are some of the best two periods the Red Wings have played all year and, may I say, over the last few years. I mean, in a, in a, in a tremendous amount of shots, great chances at that, and they were limiting chances for McJesus. Okay, you don't just get that nickname for no reason. So I, I'm going to push back on everyone right now that's saying that we beat Stuart Skinner. Calm down. Skinner played an okay game. He played a good game. Fuck that. He played a good game. 2.49 goals saved above expected is a good fucking game. You can't tell me that another goaltender is going to come in and have a better game than that. That would be just one of the best games of all time right so uh, for him to do what he did is tremendous so let's let's just leave it at that and 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 I'll, I'll at least say this is a legit win for the red wings over the edmonton oilers there were some missed calls for Connor mcdavid as there always are um for some reason i think it's just because he's always he's he's so fast and he's always moving his legs so he's going to get pulled down the entire game and so we learned last season the NHL admitted to all of their finagling of, of penalties and how they try to match the game and make it more even. So yeah, we know those are all truths. So Connor's not going to get all the calls. And um, fuck it. I mean, we just we listed the two things that people are whining about, and uh, I don't give a fuck. It's a real win. <laughs> um, Brad is thrown out there. We could have been up by four in the first if it wasn't for Skinner. I 100% agree with that. And I, I again, um, I, I would go back to uh, The Athletic and their their beat writer. Because um, I feel like they're trying to be diplomatic and pragmatic and like, well, you know, let's keep it in context to everybody. And, and just the, we've had such a hard time just watching enjoyable Red Wing hockey that this far away this season is almost every game has been must watch TV because of how well they're playing, um, how much fun they're like to watch on the offensive end, um, you know, watching cider on the defensive end, um, watching Nadelkovich uh, making sprawling on his back uh, poke check saves that I, I don't think he could even do in a video game. That was, that was a pretty amazing move uh, that he made yesterday. Um, obviously a little bit of luck goes into that, right? But Man, like the athleticism and the the flexibility to make that move, that save, woo! That was uh, that was incredible stuff. Yeah, and I, I, that goes along with uh, this team played a game too against Edmonton, where we you know we can talk about the analytics, but um, I think the narrative behind it was that these guys really got up to 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 want to beat Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. Like this was something where I think all season so far, we've seen a team that comes in with a lot of tenacity. Uh, you know, this, it's a little cliche, but that, you know, that, that never give up uh, kind of style of play that we've seen, especially when, when you go back to that Florida game and everybody uh, throwing chiclets on the ice to stop pucks um, like that, that's become like, like an identity so far for the Red Wings, but this game, was was something where like if I if I pull this up right now, I mean your expected goals for per sixty leader last night, it's Giovanni Smith. Giovanni Smith was playing his nuts off in the offensive zone, 
and and again, and that's a goals for uh per six expected goals for per sixty. So is is Giovanni getting a ton of minutes? No, but when he was out there, he was taking advantage of every single goddamn second. We saw him out there moving the puck around and dangling like he hasn't done all season. So this is this is you know. I don't know how many folds I'm going to make. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it's like, you know, it's twofold. You get you get the win, but clearly this wasn't one of those games where the Red Wings got outshot and outplayed and a goaltender had a bad game and we just happened to get the last goal that went in or maybe it was an overtime victory kind of thing. This was something where these guys won this game and they fucking earned it. So, so again, for for anybody out there making the pushback, I, I would say that that's my final thought on it. Uh, this Edmonton game is a for real win, and and I, I should apologize real quick. I just got off the helm with uh, winging it in Motown's uh, Jake Rivard, and um, we kind of had the same discussion, but I was a little more timid because uh, I like having guests on the show, and I don't want to attack them. And I just hope he's not watching right now and feels like I'm attacking his opinion because he may or may not have come in with a pushback um i get where it's coming from it's the responsible way to look at these games but i'm gonna say especially while i have my brother here and not somebody else uh that i you know i mike i, I can say stuff and you'll just you know we'll, we'll go along with each other so i i feel safe you're my you're spit my it out, man. Like it. spit it out what were you gonna say <laughs> he said it oh, it's a legit win yeah i you know i predicted it i I yeah, saw enough you know, in that called... in the Vegas slaughter. I was like, "Well, this looks like a different team." So, I, I guess we just win games now. So we're gonna win this one and this one and that one too. Give me them all. Um, I, I tomorrow is the game I have the least amount of confidence for. But if we win that, I you know we can guarantee a Montreal win. That's that's can just I, how I feel. This is nice. There, there's a lot of opportunity though. Um... Washington's got a lot of injuries like uh, like Vegas did. Uh, it's not on their top line, but it, like uh, most of their secondary scoring is uh, is feeling it right now. And they even have uh, Vanacek, who is iffy for the game. And uh, not that Samsonov is a bad backup option, but um, like they're, they're trying to figure that out. Uh, so I, I, I think, and I, I predicted as much. So our, our game preview is coming out in the morning, Mike. Uh, so you guys can all take a little bit, uh, a deeper look at the Washington Capitals and what their, their position and situation is right now. So that'll be coming out at seven in the morning tomorrow for you, for anybody interested, uh, just hit the subscribe button, uh, right now. And if you guys could too, real quick, just hit the like button while you're all watching that, that would, uh, it does us a world of wonder for other people to find the, uh, to find the show, but, um, yep. Patriots throwing it out there. Mantha's out tomorrow. Um, but yeah, with their, with their injuries piling up, TJ Oshie out as well um i i think i and i predicted as much that this would be a multi-goal uh how, wait how would you say that a, a more than one goal victory that man i feel so stupid a right multi, now a multi -goal we're gonna victory. have yeah. more than one goal separating our victory from what the Mon montreal canadians jesus the washington capitals can put on the ice um, that was the hardest sentence I've ever put together in my entire life. It, yeah, it's hard for us to listen to. Let me tell you. <laughs> Matt, I'm going to say, uh, I've been podcasting for like three fucking hours. I did, I did that I don't preview. Talk yeah. to Jake Rivard from Winging It in Motown, and now I'm doing this. 
I don't want to get too crazy. I just emotionally, this is where I'm at, where I'm just like, well, I guess we'll just keep winning and I guess this will just keep happening now. But it kind of feels maybe, maybe 2006 Detroit Tigers is pushing it a little too far. Maybe like 2005. So I'm going to with a good recommendation here. But like 06 was when, like, yeah, when Curtis Granderson started coming up, that was when Verlander started coming out. Um, then you still had people like Pudge. You still had people like, you know, Polanco, you had Guillen. Um, so it was kind of this mishmash of rookies and young guys just kind of bloop, blossoming right right at, at a good time. You know, a la, um, you know, our, bo- our boy Mo, um, Lucas Raymond, some Red Wing superstars here, and, you know, Bertuzzi, Larkin. Um, I, I – it, this could be a playoff team, Matt. They're definitely not the most talented team in the National Hockey League. We've, you know, seen them get crushed by Boston, deservedly so, uh, because of how much better they are than us. That's okay. But I'm just saying that this is this is weird waters for us, where it's kind of like you're optimistic, but you're you're still trying to be like uh, we'll call it the athletic pragmatic. But I mean, how many more of these, you know, exciting victories where we're we're punching above our weight class and coming out on top, will it take? Well, let me throw this out there because we have the question in the chat um, from Brad. Uh, so here's here's the list of injuries. And Backstrom's no surprise. That's uh, he's, he's out indefinitely. Um, but, yeah, TJ Oshie still listed as out. And this is according to Odd Shark, which um, I will tell you guys is legit, like, the best source for my injury updates um like even nhl.com i can't get like sure answers from anybody but you go to a betting website and somebody's trying to figure out where they're going to drop their 100 bucks uh they've got it they've got it locked down so i will say i trust these guys uh not with my life but definitely with uh, my hockey injuries with your mortgage Um, right (laughs) with my mortgage But yeah, Oshi listed out Mantha. Uh, Dowd was just uh, put on IR today. I mean, that's just a fourth line center, but it's still another guy where they've got to figure out who who's who's going to get mixed into the lineup. And then uh, Vanacek, who uh, is is listed as questionable, uh, according to uh, the Athletic uh, beat writer for Washington, he was he was taking pucks today in practice. So, um, well, I, I, uh, I Red Wings I will once again be without Verona. Uh, we will once again have a toilet bottom six. And, uh, yeah, I think that's that should be on the injury report as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's a legit conversation, too. And, uh, hey, what's up, Timmy? That was easy. Uh, new viewer, go Wings. I appreciate it, Timmy. If uh, if you enjoy what's going on, uh, give, us, uh, give us a subscribe and a like. Um, now, I like that you brought up Verona, Mike, because um, it was a point of conversation today. Uh on Twitter for myself. I, I threw this out there uh, to remind everybody that the That's Red Wings... for, Matt. It's a verbal solitaire. Glad you were out there talking to yourself. Nobody, yeah, nobody likes my stuff. Um, <laughs> it's, it's at BOD Hockey for anybody who cares. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mike, we, we are seven, five, and two, right? Or wait, is yeah. that, that sounds right. And uh, Mike, we have a $68 million cap hit, which is the second lowest in the league. And we still don't have... Jakob Verana. Who, who, who are we giving credit to for this team that is undermanned and underpaid? Clearly, there's there's some credit that uh, needs to go to all these boys playing together and saying, you know what, fuck it. 
we're going to outplay whatever the expectations are. But, Mike, somebody's getting them there. Somebody's Man, in the room. Uh, and he's got a you, bald, shiny like fucking a, head. Oh, no. You do have a name in mind. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's playing cards without a full, full hand. Um, financially, talent-wise, but God damn it. He's still got him fifth in the conference. Matt, are you going to put a little polish on Jeff Blaschel? <laughs> Look, I... I asked the question today on Twitter. How long do they need to keep up this pace before we see our first Jack Adams uh, article coming from uh, coming from The Athletic? And <laughs> Look, it's it's the same story every year. It's not always the, the coach with the best team, number one, you know, in the league standings. But eventually they just make this equation that the, the, the team that is uh, down the most men but has the most surprising outcome in regards to points and standings. Uh, that guy gets the notice. So I, I just at least want to shout out that Jeff has made some great decisions and I've done the shout out a few times and I've made some people a little upset with those shout outs, but along the lines of at least saying he, he has quite the team to get above 500 right now. And I mean, and by that, I mean, it's not the most impressive list of names, uh, you know, in NHL history, that's <laughs> it's an understatement. Uh, but Mike, he, he made some amazing decisions that helped get us that win against Edmonton too. Um, maybe some decisions, but it would have been just as easy to go in a different direction and completely fuck things up. So I, I guess, um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to throw this in the, um, I'll say that, but uh, I yeah. know there's not too much to go off of right now because things could go the other way fast. But um, yeah, I, I I think I think if this continued to the end of the season, I think you absolutely throw his name in that conversation. And that's based off of like what is routine for people who vote on the Jack Adams Trophy. Matt, I will say two things about that. Um, <laughs> One is last season, I think you and I, we, we tried to give him more credit um, because he kind of knew that, you know, the Red Wings didn't have a lot of talent. So he just doubled down on the strategy where we limit chances for everybody and hopefully maybe we'll win a few games two to one or three to two. This year, he's definitely wildly opened up um, like opportunities and, you know, it, it's not turtle, turtle hockey anymore. Um, I actually feel like they have a few guys who can score goals, at least on the first line. Um, but I mean, as far as evolving strategy or I think so finally of the Washington comeback, um, in the overtime session when Ovechkin basically had a three minute shift, uh, because they were just waiting for him to touch the puck. Cause you know, if he gets a shot in overtime, it's probably going in. And instead Blackshell just had them essentially play keep away from him. Um, and as soon as he was off the ice, that's when they went all in, let's go, 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 go. And that's when we got our goal. So little little nuggets kind of like that, um, the way that he's been, kind of been juggling Nadelkovich and Grice, like when he plays them, um, not just necessarily with the days off, but when he kind of feels like, you know, we're going to play at Oilers. We need a madman out there. Nadelkovich, get out there, you crazy bastard. Let's do seems just contort your spine into these wild saves. Um, I, I feel like he's kind of been pushing a lot of the right buttons. And I've, I've objectively got data where he had a contingency plan 
um, for the great eight himself, Ovechkin. So I, we gave him a lot of flack, and he deserved it. And I think now that he has some spots where he's definitely earned some some credit, I think he's uh, he should be noted like this. And Tristan uh, dropping the the line here. Blashville's showing way more emotion this year. You can tell he's really connected to this group. Thrilled to have some skill on his bench. Uh, yeah, Tristan, absolutely. He's he probably sleeps easy this season. Nobody's got, <laughs> you know what I mean. And then uh, last point from Tristan is uh, Blash always raves about the depth on D. Um, yeah, performance there too with the great point. Like, like, let's not forget that he has won at every level. Uh, so I, it's one of those things I always came back to where he was labeled as as a moron while this team had zero talent. Um, just you know, you give you give a coach some players, and especially a, a a player's coach like Jeff is known to be, and you get this this group of ragtag youngsters. You know, uh, it's, it just looks like it. That that is definitely a piece of why this is all coming together. Um, I will say, I, I I'm gonna jump away from this point because Tristan brought something up uh, about ten minutes ago that uh, just blows my mind. Uh, and I'm going I'm to pull it up here. Tristan says, uh, we had mentioned left-handed uh, defensive targets. Tristan, are you saying Sam Gerrard from the Colorado Avalanche is on the trade block? Because uh, I'm all about that conversation, uh, a thousand percent. That is, if I'm uh, like <laughs> missing somebody else, um, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about your left side defenseman. Uh, this guy was in, um, I mean, this is, this is Norris conversation. Uh, so I, I, I could not believe I, when I saw that your comment was that Gerard's on the trade block because that I am all about, uh, Brannis is saying, uh, he's confirming this Tristan. Yes, he is. Uh, I, I'd give up a lot. Mike, I, I'd give up a first round pick. Woo! A Red Wing first round pick? Yes. I still can't do it. I'm still saving those for a center. I can't I, do it for a defenseman. I'm gonna wait on I'm gonna wait on Edmondson. I'm waiting on Edmondson. I'm not doing it. I, I'm telling you, like that if we're talking right now about like I, I don't know how jokingly we want to define it, but how close we are to having a playoff conversation come Thanksgiving and and you know if the Red Wings are still in that standings position, we I think we can officially discuss it. Um <laughs> I know. I, this is that would be a major move, Mike. I mean, that is that's a legit like you can have the conversation. That's your top line left side defenseman for years to come. Twenty three yeah. years old, he's got a very reasonable cap hit at five million. And like I said in the Norris conversation, and he's all about all of our favorite analytics uh, over the last three years or uh, last two years. So I, I'm convinced as to why he's on the trade block. Man, I just don't think we're another defenseman away from contending. We we need a center. All right, so Tristan's thrown out there. It's uh, Byram that's outplaying him, and they don't want to have uh, they don't want to put too much money um, on the defense. That that is okay. I I can definitely see that. That is a legit reason to uh, to move Sammy Boy because uh, Byram is. Man, he's he's playing his nuts off right now. Is uh, challenging more Cider for for the Calder Trophy. So yeah, that that makes a ton of sense. Um, but they do have, don't they have a whole another year for Byram too? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if this is a trade that's possible, but more possible 
where like Colorado would just hang on to him and try and win those cups. And then maybe next year. Uh, but yeah, if you could have that conversation now, Mike, I'm telling you, you, you can't guarantee a first round pick is going to be an NHL caliber player. And Gerard again, I think at 5 million is super reasonable. He's super young. He's proved, you know, he could play with Kale McCarr. So I, I don't know. Uh, we haven't seen enough of, of cider. And of course I've got the uh, Red Wings beer goggles on, but I, I, <laughs> if I, you know, I, God, what, what the fuck am I about to say right now? I, I think he could keep up with cider. And I think that that would be just as good uh, a pairing, uh, you know, in that, in that regard. Do you really think that Iserman, as he's, you know, he's, he's watching this streak as well. Um, and I think he's listening to the show and he's like, yeah, maybe if we do get a couple more home victories, maybe we can use the P word. I don't think that Iserman is about to just burn up all his assets on another defenseman. I, I think he's drafted up, but he's drafted good defensemen and they're, they're going to be on the cusp of joining the team. I just don't think that they want to give up draft picks for like a position of like excess for us. Um, I, yeah. I mean, Tristan, that offer you're putting out there, if it's Rasmussen's seconds and thirds. Yeah. I'm on board. I don't, I, you know, there's no, and he threw in Emil Vero. Another replacement left left side defenseman uh, for Colorado for the future. Who's he? He looked good in the World Juniors, um, but I, I I would say you know there isn't enough there to say that he's a for sure NHLer either. Do we have anybody on the block for a uh, second line center? That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> or a first line center uh, if you're not ready to throw Dylan Larkin in there. Um, to kind of go along with that line, I'd. I, I would, you know, like this Rasmussen thing, I, I drop him like a bag of rocks right now. There's so many guys, I think, that in the next year, like Valeno could go right in that position that Rasmussen's playing right now, no problem. And I think next year you have Berggren as, as an option. And uh, it's just like the list goes on and on. So I, I Rasmussen, to me, absolutely, I would take this this trade, no problem. Um, now, it, I think uh, Soap Dish, the price would be too high, which, again, I, I said I'd give up a first-round pick. Soap Dish might be right, and that, that's not enough for Colorado. Uh, they might want a couple because Gerard's got – he's got the proven track record. Uh, now, Jared thought that was a little too steep to give up Rasmussen, a second, a third, and Vero. Um, again, I still think Vero is, is like a – I think uh, I think that's probably market value. Like, they're going to want an NHL player. They're going to want – couple draft picks and then a prospect. I think that's a pretty reasonable um, like offer for that. I just. I'll go with soap dish. Soap dish says no way that's enough. And that's where I immediately was like, yes, absolutely. I'd take that. And that's probably where Colorado is also thinking the exact opposite. Like who, like who says no in that trade? Yeah. I, I would say Colorado. I, if I was Colorado, I would say no. All right. At least right now. Right, like that's not a trade that Colorado would need to make right now to help their salary situation where they could just, let's just make, you know, let's make something else work kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know if they, I mean, we're calling them an NHLer, but I mean, Rasmussen hasn't really produced anything at the NHL level. So he's, he's, he's got the job title, but it's not like he, you know, they're going to, we just haven't seen it yet. So they're not really getting a productive guy. So they're getting two wild risks and then a guy in a meal bureau where you're like he's you know showing some flashes so God, i'll, I'll say that, that 
I'll say this. If you guys, you know, want to think about it, um, you know, for anybody listening, of course, uh, the boys are having the chat in, in the comments right now. But um, I, I would say you, you probably have to be ready to give up a first round pick. And um, maybe you want to play the game that it's next year's first round pick. And you feel so a better about that. He's not quite um, Seth Jones, right? Like, what was he? Two well, first round picks, a second round pick. Oh my god. Yeah, that was a and like Adam if, That was a way overpay. If we're going in like if we need to do the formula for Seth Jones, it means we're giving up like three or four first round picks without, uh I, I would say the level of talent that Seth Jones is at this point. Um that was yeah, that was that was because I mean look, there's gonna be other team there's gonna be other NHL teams if Gerard's actually on the on the block that will give up first round picks. And I, I don't think Eiserman is willing to do that for 2022 or 2023, maybe 2024. But I don't know if Colorado's willing to look that far into the future, are they? I guess, yeah, I guess I'd have to do a little bit more digging to get more familiar with them. Um, to, to have a better idea, or maybe we should contact uh, our hockey podcast networks, uh, compatriots I, I don't know figure out what, uh, where their heads at um I'll, I'll say this let's pull this up just for the sake of this conversation continuing because i i'm still all about this but here, here's a good chart to kind of compare who i would say is the best uh defenseman right now and probably should be paid as much and isn't but uh kill mccarr and uh sam gerard both on the same team there um i mean you could see the difference is the finish while the two boys are on the ice uh <laughs> Kel McCarr's off the charts for goals four per 60 and um, Gerard's going in the other direction. But when it comes to, you know, your, your advanced analytics, is he doing what he needs to do and he's on the ice? Absolutely. Just the puck bounces don't appear to be going his way so far, which that is a guy I'm absolutely willing to bet on um, and give again, I would still say a very reasonable uh, cap it. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't. Yeah, like I said, I don't hate it. I just I would burn my assets on center before Gerard, especially uh, with what Colorado's going to ask for. Now that is uh, that is certainly a, a point of conversation. I think we all need to get uh, prepared for though is uh, Rasmussen, uh, and where uh, I, I would say maybe a few other Red Wings and their um, <laughs> length of uh, time with the team could be shortened. Uh, I, I, I see that Robbie Fabry is being mentioned in there. Like you, you got to keep an eye on Fabry. Uh, Namistikov, who's way outplaying what the analytics say right now um, and how long those relationships are going to last uh, for, for the wing ding. God, what did his shooting percentage get up to? Like 30? Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Namistikov is through the roof. It's ridiculous. Here, t- this this is that same exact chart, but it's only Namistikov. Uh, this not only looks funny... But it tells the whole story for Namistikov so far. Um, <laughs> this is, yeah, this is this season. Um, wow. That looks like from, an adult image there on the left. I like that. I know. Can you believe this? This is hilarious. Um, let me blow this up a little bit for everybody at home. You're looking at the, the goals for per 60. Uh, while it's way out of hand from an eyeball perspective, what we're watching on the ice, like that's not what we should expect from Namistikov. It's still from it from a zeke score perspective so it's kind of like uh you know you're breaking up the league into three parts so namistikov's still only doing better than a third of the league but when it comes to the advanced analytics and you're talking about when he's on the ice is he doing the right things are enough 
attempts and uh, the chances are they are they looking like they're in his favor? And they're not. So th- this is one of those boys that um, I think is if there was a trade that was out there and you don't believe that there's a playoff conversation to be had later this year, <laughs> you got to get rid of Nemistikov. Even though, like, it, I don't want to. Uh, that celebration he had where he's pulling on the Wings jersey last night, that was beautiful. I, I absolutely love that. But if you are planning on moving him, this might be one of those those things where you got to move him sooner rather than later. Now, I will tell you, Mike, I think I love Laddie so much after last night that I'm willing to just hang on to him <laughs> and uh, and not have to have this conversation of, you know, picking up a draft pick or two uh, for, for Nemistikov. Um, but if if Stevie is in that, uh, I don't know, in, in that mindset where where he is still looking to shop these guys and he's in tank mode, this is when you do Nemistikov in that in that trade. I mean, you're you're painting a pretty pretty strong argument there. Um, it just feels like this is going to be one of those guys that Eisenman's going to hold on to, contract wise and effort wise and emotion wise and. Holding up the jersey wise, I I get where you're coming from. You know, in fantasy hockey, this is a great spot to trade him because I, I don't think he's going to be scoring <laughs> 28 goals this year. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's nice to see um, see him get on the stat sheet a little bit more. Um, you know, they keep bringing it up every broadcast when he gets another goal. They're like, wow, this is basically what he did last year plus you know plus one because um, it you know wasn't nobody had a really good year last year. But um, yeah, it's you know. I don't think he's part of the long-term future, but, uh, you know, he's fine. I think you were doing more cartwheels when we acquired him than I was, but. I I saw a guy that was, uh, you know, he's a renaissance man. He, he can play, he can play anything and it, he plays it good. Right. Speaking and then every of fantasy then, hockey, he's, yeah. uh, can be a center, a left wing or a right wing. So it's yeah. pretty valuable. Yeah. Um, I wanted to jump into this, uh, part of the conversation here uh at least when it, it we're, we're talking about moving guys and uh gerard we're talking about uh Nemistikov, but i did see uh eric johnson throw in there are, are are we giving up on every defenseman we have in the system um uh, because and i'm wondering eric if that if do you mean because we'd go after gerard or if this means um you know do, do we have zero confidence in these guys i i would say that at least with um Edmondson, uh, there's nothing that I've seen from his game so far that uh, has brought down my confidence that he's going to be a full-time NHLer. But th- there's a lot with all with everybody else uh, that you've mentioned here. Um, I, I I don't know if there's a significant amount of data right now to say that any of these guys need to be uh, like like they they are unmovable. Is that is that is that is that right? I would say fly? I think you could safely say all of them except Edmondson are like prospect guys, and Edmondson seems like the one who's you know pretty. We're pretty confident that guy's going to be in the NHL, you know, if not next year, the year after. So um, I don't think we're giving up on those guys, but I mean, when it's if it's Gerard and Colorado just wants you know one or two of those, you know, non Edmondsons and a non first. Oh my God, in a heartbeat, but. I'm still clinging to the firsts. I'm still clinging to guys like Edmondson, um, and I'm only moving them for you know first or second line set. 
I gotta throw this out there because Tristan threw, the, and we changed the subject. But Nemistikov yeah, the, the is an army knife, but uh, yeah, he's a Russian army. <laughs> 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 now, some dish just throw it out there. Trading, you know, th this is in regards to making a huge splash, like for for Gerard. Uh, we need to temper our expectations. Stevie is playing the long game. I don't believe he's going to give up too many futures just yet. And I think that that's an important part of the conversation. Like, um, th this is twofold, though. At some point, uh -huh. you're going to make that change. And you don't want this to be like eight years down the road where we're like, all right, Wallander finally made the team. So we're, we're ready to make a big splash because, you know, the prospects that we drafted eight, nine years ago worked out. And I'm exaggerating, so I'm kind of being a dick right now, so I do apologize. I take that back. But, um, <clears throat> you know, at some point, you, you do want to just make one of these splashes, and I, I'm i not saying this team is ready to, to gun it uh, for the Stanley Cup, but in my mind, Sam Gerrard is one of those guys that you're looking or you're hoping one of these guys is going to turn into. So I, I, I just feel like you're crossing off one of the boxes. Like, and, and you're not even getting an old guy. It's not, I, I don't want to right now trade for a veteran, which I think that's a whole nother conversation where you're at the trade deadline, you're locking up a third or fourth line. Um, you know, maybe you're, you're getting like that third line center to make sure you're winning that extra face off in the playoffs kind of thing. Like, I, I don't want to have that conversation yet, but if I'm talking about like a guy that'll be a staple in our defensive pairs, I, I'm all about that trade right now. I, I will make that trade. Right now, I will make that free agent signing right now. Um, but it's just, you know, it, it's something, too, where I, I still see, you know, you don't want to give up too much. But I'm all about that conversation. That that trade, if that conversation happened, certainly I'm not giving up eight guys uh, and, and, you know, all of our defensive prospects uh, to try and get Colorado interested. But I will play that game and give up a couple of them. No problem. Yeah, and I... I you know, absolutely don't want to give up on prospects. And uh, you are totally right. Was it Soapdish who said that? I'm so sorry. Yes. Um, yeah, you don't want to give up on prospects. You are totally right, Eiserman, playing the long game. It's just when you have a winning streak like this and it doesn't feel like it's, a, you know, just a fluky, plucky bunch of guys got lucky on one night and it kind of feels like, man, it's like an actual first line that other teams have to, like, game plan for and fear um, and it feels like they're productive every single game. Like this, mm -hmm. this is like watching, you know, like a Boston top line. This is like the Oilers top line. You know, this is when he's not uh, got injuries again and I'm bringing him up because he's killing a fancy team is uh, Pittsburgh. Damn it. Come on, get a mask or something, dude. Come on, Crosby. Um, I, it just feels like we have that top line. They, they haven't petered out yet. And it still feels like they're going strong. Um, you can start to think about, man, maybe we can make some win now moves. What maybe when there's, um, you know, those guys on the block, you know, like Tristan was bringing up, maybe we can actually, you know, get our foot in the door and start, you know, seeing what it would cost because, you know, we I think we know which prospects are, have a you know higher chance of, um, you know, popping. So you got those extra ones, you got all those extra picks that Steve's been you know acquiring here the last couple of years. So. You know, this might be a time. If this winning streak keeps going. Uh, there's no reason to not get more win now players. Uh, I, I do have to bring up, too, Jared's bringing up a fantastic point uh, for who we're going to be trading for at the trade deadline when we need uh, some more center help. But, uh, you know, Luke Lendenning will certainly be available. Get out of here, Jared. <laughs> Damn it, Jared, you're blocked from the show. Get out of here and take Lendenning talk. 
damn it. Um, I was his big advocate last season. Uh, he led in face-offs, and he's last in everything else. But, man, those face-off numbers, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, and now, I, I do want to address this, too. Uh, Eric uh, thrown out there. Gerard is 5'10", small for a usual Iserman defenseman. I, I think there's space right now to fit in that type of defenseman to try and mix up what we're bringing out there because a lot of teams that are finding success right now have that more mobile defenseman. So I, I'm I'm all about maybe diversifying our portfolio a little bit uh, because, you know, what it looks like right now is, you know, you could potentially have a couple of six-foot, four-plus guys in your top pairing, which is terrifying for any opponent. But, you know, at some point, um, the, there you, you are looking to – mix it up a little bit like that that's what you see from those winning teams is 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 a little more diversification between um what each line's putting out there what the what the d pairings are putting out there um and i I, i'd still say i i would not i wouldn't cross that off the list just because we see uh just because we see a height that doesn't necessarily always match up with where stevie's head is at because I, i i think there'd be I think there's a legit argument to to diversifying what you've got just to make sure that it's not the same thing going out there for each line and pairing because you gotta you gotta make it more difficult for the other coach you gotta make it more difficult for uh, for each line when they're out there and they're not just preparing for the same exact. Um, yeah, I think uh, you know, I think you're right. Steve does uh, you know he has a type, um, <laughs> but uh, I think what he's trying to do is try to hit on one of these um, you know Victor Hedman sized players. Um, and it looks like he may have done that on two, maybe two and a half guys. And so we also know he took uh, Lucas Raymond, who's not a who's not a large man by any means. Um, so I know he doesn't play defense, but there, you know, Steve has made room for a few, you know, smaller guys. And if it's Gerard, I think he makes an exception. It just depends on what Colorado wants. Yeah, and I, I'd make the argument too, like. Um, you look, he made for the trade for Ryan McDonough in Tampa. I mean, that's, that's the difference of like two inches. So I, I, I'd say that's, that's fine. That's not statistically significant in my book. <laughs> it's two inches for a defense. Yeah, two inches is huge. No, I'm, I'm telling you. No, oh yeah. I, God damn it. I'm so <laughs> slow on the uptake. Three hours of podcasting is not the way to do your fourth hour of podcasting. Um, <clears throat> all right. What else? Uh, what else did we have on the docket? I think we could save it for the next episodes. We'll we'll prep you guys, but uh, what we're what we're going to show you guys, and uh, Michael have more time to look at uh, at this uh, little graphic I made. But um, we've got all of the players, including Mike, who we already think is playing great, including Moritz Sider. All the players that will uh, either be needed to step up, or we're, we're thinking that they're about to. Uh, based on what their expected statistics look like and uh, where their actual statistics are. So there's a lot of conversation about Nemistikov dropping off, which rightfully so. A lot of conversation about Tyler Bertuzzi and his, you know, 90% shooting percentage dropping off. Of course, of course. But there's a lot of room for other guys to step up. So you guys uh, can look that stuff up yourself. We'll prepare you guys for that conversation coming up. And, of course, we're going to be celebrating uh, a five-game winning streak uh, come this Sunday. Uh, we have uh, our preview for the Washington Capital Capitals game coming out uh, tomorrow morning. And then uh, for the podcast listeners, you guys will get to have the uh, Jake Rivard conversation attached to this episode. So that'll be coming up next. Uh, so just hang on tight. Uh, but for everybody else, uh, we'll just 
have that coming out as a separate uh, bonus episode uh, for the YouTube viewers. You guys will be able to check that out uh, as soon as I can get that edited, wrapped up, and put together. And um, it, was, it was a fun conversation. And uh, if you're not following Jake, uh, I believe uh, it was uh, Rivard NHL um, on Twitter. And then uh, he's on Winging It in Motown. So uh, he's, he's, he's a fun guy to talk to. Uh, we actually ended up realizing that we had all of these similarities in uh, every content we absorb outside of hockey, which is, which is pretty fun. Uh, so we get into a little bit of that, too. Mike, can you believe it? DraftKings is recognizing our favorite sport. We do a podcast about hockey, and we are finally able to discuss the fact that they're an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Um, let's Let's go, right? That's what I'm ready to say. Man, I've had enough talking about the other sports. Stop for a big boy sport. The <laughs> NHL. That's National Hockey League. That season is underway. DraftKings Sportsbook, an unofficial sports betting partner of the National Hockey League, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. Nay, the greatest sport on earth. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper. Oh, gotta be a, or a slapper, maybe, or a deft uh, deflection. However, they light the lamp, you win. If sports what if it's some nasty sauce? All right, go What on. if it's an empty netter? Still counts on the stat sheet, my man. If sportsbook isn't available in your state, uh, DraftKings won't leave you empty handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code thpn throw down one dollar on any nhl game and win a hundred in free bets if either team scores a goal this week one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code thpn at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl must be 21 or older new jersey indiana or pennsylvania only new customers only minimum five dollar deposit one dollar wager required one per customer restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER he is the fantasy novel fanatic music fest freak and energizer bunny and steel city resident who is still winging it in motown he is jake Rivard. jake how you doing today hey i'm hanging in there how about yourself uh, i'm doing great uh I, this is always uh, a blast for me because i've got uh as as our fans know another journalist that i get to pick their brain uh but uh i i think we have some um I think we could find some connections here uh, with some of the things that you're a huge fan of outside of hockey. So we're gonna, I'm gonna try and we'll, we'll mix that into the conversation here. So the best way okay. to start that is uh, with our icebreaker segment. Uh, <laughs> for anybody who's new to this, here's how it works. Uh, Jake, you're gonna get uh, three different icebreaker categories. You're gonna let me know which one sounds the most interesting of, uh, of of the categories here. I've had some people uh, decide not to go with particular categories because they felt like it could get them in trouble if they brought it up. Um, <laughs> I think I've gone pretty soft here, though. So uh, we'll, we'll do this. It looks like a Three game categories. Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, one of these days I got to pay for some good game show music to be playing in the background. Got to get but, the whole uh, suit and everything, the real fanfare. Exactly. <laughs> 
I uh, I did give that a go before. Uh, YouTube, uh, even though it was music I paid for, they still sent out the copyright claim, and it was about two weeks before I could actually have the video back up on YouTube. So I was like, yeah, it's just not worth it. Uh, Any hoozles. Three categories. First one, fantasy world. Uh, second category, Thanksgiving feast. And third category, uh, gaming desert island. All right. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, as much as I'd like to get into the fantasy world, that could take this entire podcast. So what I'm going to do is uh, gaming desert island. All right. Uh, so this one's probably self-explanatory from the start. Uh, you're on a desert island. I have a couple of uh, rules here. Uh, you can take three games with you. You can play online, uh, but no one will ever believe your pleas for help. So <laughs> you don't Perfect. have to. Yeah, you, you you can chat with buddies, but, uh, you know, whatever game you want to pick. Uh, but, yeah, what, what would those three games be? I did see uh, on your own uh, on your own profile that uh, you are a gaming fan. So uh I'm, I'm going to guess there could be some hockey, some NHL, some Chell uh, mixed in there, but no pressure, whatever See, those my, three games would be. My deal with Chell is um, I By like the way, playing it. By the way, it hurts me to say Chell. Oh, it hurts me too. <laughs> um, I like playing Chell, but I only like to play with like local friends. Because um, online, you get those skill levels where you're like, how, in the, how, how long have you been playing this game? One, and how in the hell are you this good? Yeah. Um, we had a rule at my old house in college, actually. If you beat somebody by 10 goals or more, they had to call your mom and apologize for wasting your time. <laughs> um, I have never had to call somebody's mom, knock on wood, but I have had friends call a couple times. Tom, if you're hearing this, uh, you still owe me that final call. Um, <laughs> Henrik, <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist led in 30 goals on that game. Oh, Not a great girl. night for the old guy. Oh, um, my gosh. But anyway. Uh, to be honest, I'm kind of a, you know, I, I'm a single player guy. Um, I'd say my three games are Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker, old nice. GameCube classic. Um, the Witcher 3. I mean, I, I love dark fantasy. I love fantasy in general. And very I mean, nice. very special place in my heart. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know if you could see this. I got a, uh, this whole top shelf of the bookshelf is... Uh, oh, you know what? There's a Ninja Turtle. Oh, up there. beautiful! He's I see Gerald back there. there. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's my Witcher section. That's uh... beautiful. I just bought all the books actually recently. So oh, nice! Uh, yeah, you're in for a fun ride. Oh yeah. And then as far as the third game goes, that's a tough question. Um, yeah, I was just I was literally just talking about this. Um, maybe I'll continue the fantasy trend. Dragon Age Origins. That is a game I that played a lot a in high school. Classic. Can never yep. get tired of that one. Those are fantastic picks. My my uh, my three also includes The Witcher. I like I played The Witcher three while that was my introduction to the whole uh, world of uh, of Geralt and uh, I man I, I've gone through those books maybe seven or eight times. All the spectacular. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean it's it's turned into one of those things that I I also have the audiobooks ready to go. So if I'm going on a long walk and I've got the kiddos, boom, that thing's going on. You know what? Uh, I actually might change the third game now that I'm thinking about it. And this yeah. might make a couple gamers angry. Go for it. Either one of the Last of Us games. Those Very nice. are profound in levels that I've never quite understood, especially two. Um, I, don't get mad at me, gamers. <laughs> I will. I, I'm going to critique that choice uh, only from the sense that I cannot pick up the Last of Us 2 again. 
I it's one of those that I I listened. Uh, there was a podcast that came out that you could accompany your playthrough with the podcast. So I, I listened to it at the same time I was playing. And it, The Last of Us 1 is probably my favorite game of all time. It's up there. But I can't, I struggle to play that one again. The Last of Us 2 crushed me so hard, yeah. which it should have. That's what that's what they wanted to do. Um, and I, it's, it's honestly one of the best stories in video games ever told, but I cannot get myself to put it back in the PlayStation. It affected it me in such a way that I actually got a moth tattoo. Whoa. Uh, it's hard to <laughs> see. I'm nice. The... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got, I've got some buddies that are like, uh, kind of slow at pulling the trigger on some new games. So, so one of my best buds just finished playing it. And uh, I mean, we've we've had the same conversation uh, of just like, I loved it. I don't know if I'll ever play it again. <laughs> yeah, it, it hurts. I mean, so it's much. like it's like reading Dune or the Lord of the Rings series. Oh, you make very, it through, yeah. and you're like, I did it. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I just I I don't know if I could deal with the pain again. Um, yeah, and I I I, uh, I would say my my three games. I did say whatever was the most recent. NHL game only because I I do find myself addicted to it and I will play fran- I don't even play online I just play franchise mode I play the twenty five years every me year me too me too <laughs> and I I, I, I turned Michael Rasmussen into like a one hundred fifty point scorer like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> signed him to like an eight year one million dollar deal <laughs> very nice yeah I, yeah you got to get that going early uh, yep. I, I think. I got pretty lucky locking up for this most recent game. Uh, Mo Cider, such a doofus. Got him for eight years, $3 million. Oh, <laughs> a complete fool. Screwed that one up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, third game uh, for me is uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. I don't know oh. if you've had the joy of just uh, walking around and fishing and My just man. walking through town. Uh, I got I feel- a coat that I wear. It's yeah. the most Arthur Morgan looking coat I've ever seen. Um <laughs> My buddies and I can do perfect impressions of the characters. I got my Arthur Morgan down pat, so can do that another time. But it's it's been a while for me. But it, it, now that you say it, it's like, yep, gotcha. yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I've got I've got the micro impression down. Just the Dutch. yep. <laughs> All right, uh, no, those are very good picks. Like uh, I, I I actually going through. Um, your profile i was trying to think what uh what was jake gonna go through but uh i, I like those picks very much and i i would say if, if you went with ford brought dragon age uh origin uh origins that would be that would be right up there for me too of course, of course. all right so next section here i i gotta say this is this is me doing uh this is comparable to like Andy Kaufman and how he would do his own comedy routines just for himself. Nobody was laughing just for him. I love it. So usually this section I'm guessing is just for me, but we're going to jump into journalism, your stylings. And uh, as we mentioned before we even started, uh, I had an absolute (laughs) wonderful middle of my day going through, um, going through some of your satire work. Um, I, I, I was quite a big fan of uh, Drake and Baby Yoda meeting today. You know, funny <laughs> enough, that actually went viral when it first came out. Um, I was getting oh, yeah? shared. I was getting shared like crazy. Like people I've never met were sharing it. It was blowing up on Reddit. Um, I think we got like 200,000 views in the first oh, like gosh. 24 hours. Yeah, no, it was insane. 
That's fantastic. Um, I was seeing strange. Like I, I went to a party later that week, and somebody mentioned the article to me. They're like, "Bro, look how funny this is!" And I was like, "Look at the name." And then I like held up my license. I'm like, "Look, look." <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. Uh, I, mean, I mean, that's fantastic. I was. I was thrilled that my uh, my Nemestikov gift got shared a couple of times today. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I would be. I'd already been to the moon. I don't know if I could make it back. That that is fantastic. I'm still floating out in space somewhere. <laughs> I got um, not. I, I guess this this sounds kind of silly now that I'm bringing this up. But I, I just just for the sake of of letting you know how impressed I am. Like there there's there's a fan fiction I wrote all the way back in my high school days. Uh, it was this this might actually lose me some subscribers. Going <laughs> to be like, wait, we've been listening <laughs> to this guy. Uh, it was uh, Wolverine and Nightcrawler from the X-Men with uh, Marty McFly and Doc Brown with uh, uh, mixed with an anime. And the, it's still my claim to fame with with my like, yeah, I, I used to creative write like do some creative writing uh, because every I will say once a year, I still get an email for somebody asking for the next the next chapter of it, which I. Uh, I don't have, there's no motivation there anymore. I was going to say, I'm, yeah, when are you working on it? <laughs> <laughs> just these damn kids, you know? Um, but I, I got to say, I, 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 it's probably jealousy, but that's where this whole section of the, the podcast comes from. Whenever I do these interviews is that I, I want to pick the mind of, uh, of the person who, uh, who went into the field that I, I abandoned. Uh, journalism. So <laughs> let me ask the question. Uh, based on your stylings, uh, clearly humor is a huge part of, of your work. Um, man, I even loved, God, the, the, the little Meyer ads that you did with the text messages uh, back and forth were, I mean, classic I, football breakup ad. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fantastic. Um, so based on that idea, but now we're finally going to mix in some Red Wings hockey. How important is it? Do you think? Uh, to mix in, especially during a rebuild, uh, to have some levity, have some humor for this, to make sure that one, you're you're bringing in a, a readership. Like you need a you need a fan base, you need a readership base to keep coming back. Uh, but two, to make sure that uh, you know, what's the nice way I could say this? Uh, that we're not giving up on the Red Wings. There we go. I was gonna mm. say something awful there yeah. a second ago, but let's keep it clean. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, it's very easy to get caught in the like spiral of negativity, especially when you're losing 6-1 to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, with not a great feeling, uh, especially when the Montreal Canadian fans are very, very loud on the internet, as I'm sure <laughs> many of us are witness to. Um, so the best thing to do is to respond with a little bit of levity. Um you know, it, it, things can feel dark, but the best thing to do is find something to laugh about. Because I promise you, there's always something to laugh about. Even if that something is a ridiculous play like Mr. Stuart Skinner last night uh, and his... <laughs> I mean, I swear to God, it looked like like you were playing a video game and he like clipped through the net. Like, I was like, what? how did Absolutely. you get back there? What is Larkin doing? <laughs> like, I, I, what happened here? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I I'd say. Enjoy... Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I did enjoy that. Uh, I I think we all had that same thought because uh you know I have a couple of buddies through the hockey podcast network that were immediately seeing uh the video of him making that 
Uh, it's just, you know, it's not even a boneheaded mistake. It's just, I mean, it's out of nowhere. It, it's, it's a complete, like, uh, it's outside of, you know, that spectrum, right? Like it's not, it's, it's not, it's nothing good, but it's not a complete error because it's never going to happen again in his career. It's one of those things where you just like can't help but laugh at it. Like even if the Red exactly. Wings are on like the receiving side of something bad, you're like, "All right, well that was pretty funny looking back." My one of my mottos in life is like, if you're going through something hard or tough, it's probably going to be a funny story later. Uh, my favorite funny story is, and I promised myself I wasn't going to talk about this, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh may have had i may have accidentally booked a moving company that was a front for the mafia um and i had my things uh basically held hostage for almost two months uh, wound up getting them all back and at the time it was the most miserable experience um but boy is it funny now <laughs> <laughs> um well yeah I'll, I'll i'll i will respect the idea that you you did not even want to bring it up so i'm gonna we'll save all the follow-up questions and make <laughs> sure that the mafia that. doesn't come looking for you um but yeah I, I i think for me it's it's something where where i enjoy your writing and and you you know you 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 attach yourself to these um these stylings just because it is you know it, if we're trying to watch these things we're not trying to get like more real right we're not we're not trying like life in the end of the day there's a lot of beauty in it but you know there, there's a lot of tragedy as well so we're looking to sports to find some sort of escape so i think the last thing we want to do is just have it go too far into doom and gloom and uh you know i've i've said uh multiple times since uh, this podcast started with my brother and i uh that we have the easiest job in the entire hockey podcast network and among you know the hundreds of hockey podcasts out there of course there's quite a few red wings ones but we have right now i feel the easiest job and it's because we've chosen not to delve too deep in all the negatives and instead have fun and, and when you play it like that you really like you can't lose right now there's there's zero stress i mean the the seven wins we have right now are just gravy on on top of gravy like it's it's beautiful it's wonderful we get to celebrate right now yeah maybe it's like it's like tipping at a fancy restaurant or i don't know tipping at a mcdonald's actually that's more accurate never expected (laughs) always appreciated exactly tip your Uh, servers even at fancy restaurants by the way guys absolutely (laughs) yeah come on what what is up with you bums (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i don't I don't know if, um, I, and I, I, I think I think I failed you as well as a host earlier because I mentioned that you were a Steel City resident who's still winging it in Motown. Uh, so if nobody got what I was going for there, uh, of course you are writing for winging it in Motown. Uh, so that's that's what I want to do is actually come to uh, your first, or I should say your latest uh, couple of works because uh, Michael Rasmussen got mixed in there, and uh, I, I think I might have a superpower. Like yeah. I don't know what it is and you know don't 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 assume anything out of me because I'm not a wizard but I've now written two articles that have become reality. One <laughs> one was at the start of the season. I wrote a letter to Mrs. Blagill requesting that Lucas Raymond start the season. <laughs> Lucas Raymond starts the season. The second I write about Michael Rasmussen and how he needs to pick up his game. Last night he has the best game he's had all season. You're welcome, Hockey Town. 
Yeah, let we, me know what we, else you guys need. <laughs> yeah, we thank you. Uh, what we need is uh, Tyler Bertuzzi's thirty uh, percent uh, shooting percentage to continue. So if you mm. could send Very a letter on over, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I actually, I, I am, I am one who who feels like I, I do those same things, where, or I'm in this world of if I complain about a player, uh, they start going in the in the right direction, and then I I look like an a hole. So I I will say and admit. I've been complaining about Michael Rasmussen for quite a while. So I, I've been reading your articles as uh, a scripture uh, lately. So, <laughs> See, and uh, the thing is, like, I, I'm, I guess I'm not, like, upset with him. I'm just disappointed. Um, oh, yeah. I, I know, I'm going to give a full dad here. Um, <laughs> I think he's going to be fine. He's going to be a good third line center. But, like, there he's clearly missing some sort of layer of confidence uh there's there's something he's got a that that'll come back to normal eventually but right now he's just he's in the pits you know we've all been yeah. there but whatever it is he's got to kick it back into high gear and hopefully I, I, yesterday's game was a good indication of that Zach, go ahead. I, I thought it was interesting i went and took a look at uh like back at his the old uh, draft prospectus for Rasmussen and, and listing some of the cons. And what uh, what I also noticed in your article was uh, something that was pointed out were, were some of the failings right now. But if you just watch Rasmussen's game right now, I feel like he, he kind of is guilty of these. When it, it was last season, I thought he was pulling away from it. But uh, stick handling seems to be a, an issue from uh, at least before the last couple of games. Uh, there are a lot of turnovers. So it just looked like it was it was a little sluggish with the decision making on what was going to happen as he took over for an offensive possession. The other side of it uh, has been the skating, which was a huge complaint uh, before he got drafted, and something that uh, actually found one uh, one prospectus in particular said that Rasmussen was definitely going to be a late first round draft pick uh, due to his skating ability. Of course. We know he didn't go late in the first round, but um, I got I a just, really my, fun thing for you guys. Uh, yeah. Any listeners? Um, actually, you may as well do this as well. If you guys really want to have a great time, go look up the 2017 NHL draft and tell me how many of them wound up becoming full-time NHL players. Uh, in fact, better yet, take a look and see how many of them wound up playing in the AHL. You're gonna, you guys are gonna love it. It's gonna be great. I did actually, uh, I had, I tried to find this morning, I went through evolving hockey to, uh, to like put together this list of who's got like a good points per 60. Um, and, and most of the guys that, uh, that would be, you know, you would make the argument, let's take him over Rasmussen. Uh, they're already drafted. So th there was no chance of you getting a Rasmussen. Uh, but maybe six guys right now, which of those six guys, they've all played less games than Rasmussen, so there's even a smaller sample size to to go by those six names. Right. So to your and point, then... I mean, it's just it's still a crapshoot. It's it's just uh, my fear isn't necessarily about we shouldn't have drafted him. I just worry that he's falling into issues that he had uh, in years past when we saw him get away from those issues. So I I'm I'm more along the line and. Um, it, it, it's probably where your head's at as well is that it, this is, this is something that is completely mental and there's, there's gotta be some way to break out of it. And you got to hope that a game like, you know, even if, uh, even if there were still some mistakes, but if you could put a couple of assists on the board, that's, that's the type of thing that he needs to see 
uh, to get this thing going in the right direction. And a big problem that I noticed um, was mostly related to, I mean, how he played in the WHL compared to how he plays now. In the WHL, he was a giant. He was yeah. dominating people with his size, his strength, and his skill. Um, nobody could stand a chance against him. But in the NHL, it feels like a lot of people have figured out how to counteract somebody that tall. Because, you know, there are plenty of tall guys in the NHL. Uh, you got Zdeno Chara, who literally has to get a custom-made stick because of how tall he is. Um I think that Rasmussen's having some trouble um, translating the strength he had in the juniors to the professional level, uh, especially against guys like, I think this happened a couple games ago against David Savard. Uh, Savard is probably over half a foot shorter than Rasmussen and was just dummying him on the ice, like mm-hmm. manhandling the guy. And with the way Rasmussen's built, he should be just knocking, knocking over Savard like he's nothing. Uh but I think, yeah, I think it's it's confidence and, like, he's got to trust his own body. Because um, he, I mean, he did it against Edmonton. I think he, like, held off either McDavid or Dreisaitl for, like, a long time. And I was very impressed with it. Yeah, I mean, that that was, like, uh, I know which play you're talking about. I, you could, like, I could picture it. It was, like, an old stiff arm, you know, in Madden football. I mean, he, he just was, get out of the way. I'm making space right now and I'm holding on to the puck. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not not that this is completely the direction I want to I want to go in with the Rasmussen conversation, but yeah, there there were times uh, against Edmonton where I I I was shocked at how often like uh, any line that wasn't our first line was just ragging the puck in the offensive zone uh, just to break down a quick list. I, I thought Giovanni Smith showed a lot of. Uh, <laughs> I, his stick handling was just something I, I we hadn't seen all season yet. And it was just like all of these guys, uh, Ernie Rasmussen, Giovanni Smith were like the three guys where I was like, holy shit, this is, these guys want to win this game. This is, this is something where they're not going to let this get out of hand. They they absolutely need to take this one away from Connor McDavid. It seems like that was, that was the, the go-to there, but yeah. Even that, like Danny DeKaiser shut down oh Connor God, McDavid. Yeah. That best, was nuts. Best play of the season from DeKaiser. That was the best player in the entire NHL going head to head <laughs> against Connor McDavid and winning. <laughs> I uh, I did see on Twitter, and I hope I hope this wasn't you because I'm gonna feel like a, a complete ass right now. But it <laughs> it was uh, it was mentioned how Connor McDavid had no problem, no problem cutting through four different New York Ranger defenders, <laughs> but he has a problem. Cutting through a Danny DeKaiser who's held together by duct tape and spit. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's something about that. I, I think if we go back and, and think about the Red Wings of, you know, our Stanley Cup years and how many times we would go down to a team that, you know, going into the night, you'd just be like, all right, well, this is an easy win. I don't need to focus too hard on this one. Uh, and then and then we blow it. And it's because we kind of overlooked an opponent. The Red Wings have had a fantastic start, but I, I would not for a second think like this, you know, that wasn't a possibility last night. And uh, what the Red Wings did was completely come into that game saying, we're going to we're going to kick the shit out of Edmonton. And Edmonton might have come in thinking this will be a little bit easier than uh, than we think. And you know what? They almost had it near the end there. Yeah, if it wasn't for Nadelkovich bailing him out multiple times, points where he should not have had to do that. Uh, I think Edmonton would have gone away with that win. If it were Grice in the net, I, I'd be a little more worried. But yeah. Nadelkovich is, is <sighs> he reminds me of like Mike Vernon, uh, yeah. where 
he plays super aggressive to the point where like I am both excited to watch him and also my blood pressure is just shooting through the roof whenever he does something crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, like the the stick handling turned into like a point of conversation uh, for Mickey Redmond early in the season, and that was when like I was really working out my glutes. That was you know really clenching there. It's a every time he was coming out, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I, in yeah, the words of Mickey, boy, oh boy. Yeah, I'm, I'm cracking walnuts now. Um, but I, I thought it was crazy last night. Ozzy's, Ozzy's in the booth. Uh, not, not crazy in like a negative way, but Oz, Ozzy sees a lot of, uh, the dominator in the Delkovich and, and a lot of that goes along the aggressive play and, uh, probably more specifically just going out for the poke check, which, uh, we remember seeing, uh, Hashik do that all the time and just like mm-hmm. going, Oh fuck. Yeah, um, I saw anti Ranta try to do that a little earlier this season. That oh, yeah. was a little scary. Uh, and those, and those moments, uh, I think are, you know, how you, you can get closer to like that, that dominator conversation. Um, but, yeah, I guess I guess I'm getting lost to my own point here, but ultimately, like Nadelkovich is having these flashes uh, to get the both of us to mention names like Vernon and uh, Hashik, where I think uh, the fact that we didn't give up much, we're not paying him much, uh, should still feel pretty good for everybody right now. He's like what I wanted Peter Mrazek to be. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Think about should, that one a bit. I'm sure, I'm sure the Maple Leafs would uh, appreciate an Indelkovich right now. Well, they've now heard him like three times space. now. He's yeah. like, they, like I texted my buddy who's a Maple Leafs fan, and I'm like, you guys got to take care of him. And then a week later, I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's one of those things, I think, with Morazic. I, I fell in love with him hard and, and quickly. And um, yeah, it's just, it was one, it, of course... Who wouldn't, right, with the, the those first-round playoff series? But you know what? What am I doing? We don't want to talk about Morazic. That's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, I want to get back to that article where uh, we were talking about Michael Rasmussen. Um, it, it was uh, – you You had your three guys that um, – I, I always put it as, like, are in danger of the law of averages catching up. And that's like mm-hmm. a game we play on our podcast all the time. Uh, so I, I think your list of positives, uh, Bertuzzi, Nemestikov, and Gustav Lindstrom. I think and they're then, overperforming and they, they're going to come back down to earth, unfortunately. Exactly. And then uh, on, on the other side, uh, we've got Rasmussen, as previously mentioned, and then uh, two out of three guys on the second line uh, being Puse and Zadina. So I, I guess what I wanted to, to bring you know, also tell everybody, go check out this article on uh, winging it in Motown. But if you, if you were going to put a finger on it and we we're going to look at the narrative of things here, um, clearly like the, the analytics tell us that things are going to go or eventually should go in the other direction for all six of these guys. Like things should start to work out the way they're, they're supposed to. Um, which one of these guys do you think is going to break the law of averages, or I shouldn't even put it that way. It's, it's just looking at how they've played so far. Is there someone in danger of never breaking this underperformance or is there someone uh, who's going to just knock it out of the park and will be our overperformer for the full year? If you had to pick one of these six guys, who would it be? I think you could get one from each category. Um, I guess my, my first thing I'd like to point out is uh, with a lot of the things that I write, 
I try to blend the, um, what I call is uh, making the eye test and analytics kiss, um, where some people can get too hung up on one or the other, uh, looking yeah. at you, Pierre Maguire. Um, <laughs> I, I like to walk the line between the two and tell the full picture rather than paint a muddy one. Um, so in this instance, I guess in terms of somebody who I think will continue to keep up close to the level that they have, honestly, out of the three of them, Gustav Lindstrom. Um, he's shown to be a pretty capable third-pairing defenseman. He's got good possession numbers. If he can keep those possession numbers up and maybe generate a little bit more offense, I could see him rounding out to being like a a Troy Stetcher type player. Uh, you know, a uh, uh, number five, number four guy at best, which is Absolutely. not a bad thing by any means. As far as the underperformers go, um, the one that I think I'd, I'm the most worried about out of all three of them because the thing is, like, I think they're all going to round out to some level or another. Um, I think Rasmussen's probably the the least likely one to have close to a bounce back. His ice time is being cut. He's on the fourth line now. Um, he's, I mean, there was a call a couple games ago that Ken Daniels had where Rasmussen had the puck, and he goes, Rasmussen passes it to, to no one. Yep, the puck the puck went the opposite way in the middle of the ice uh, during a very crunch period, from what I recall. Um, I, it's not that I don't think he's going to be a fine player. I think he's going to top out with a career high of close to 40, 45 points, averaging around a 30, 35-point type player. I think he's going to become more of a defensive-type center. I've heard a lot of people compare him to Jordan Stahl, but like Jordan Stahl's really good. And I think Rasmussen's going to be like, all right, he'll be all right. But like yeah. Jordan Stahl is the first line center of the Carolina Hurricanes who have lost, I think, one game this season. <laughs> like, it, come on. Like, you know, we got to get a little more realistic here. Yeah. Um, it's, I, well, that's that's always the fun game that we uh, we all play as hockey fans is there, there's no such thing on anybody else's team but the first line. So, yeah, <laughs> right. Dylan Larkin's going to be Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Instant. of course. That's it's already been written, I think. Um <laughs> No, I, mean, I, I won't, go You ahead. remember that old Bleacher Report article that was like why Danny DeKaiser is going to be the next Nick Lidstrom? <laughs> think about that one for a little bit, guys. I mean, we're already playing that game with uh with Simon Edmondson too. Uh I th- I think that just that, that just follows along that same thought pattern of uh there's only First liners, there's only first pairing defensemen. Everyone else just disappears <laughs> eventually. It's uh, it's the Thanos snap, just overtime. Uh, yep. <laughs> but I, I want to get back on, on Lindstrom. I think that's a great pick because uh, probably the ask of Lindstrom isn't going to increase too much as we go through the season. Uh, mm-hmm. We're only going to be asking Heronic to play better than the absolute shit that was a 30% expected goals for percentage through uh what 13 14 games now not very lit heroic. right and and for lindstrom it's it's not something i think he's gonna jump up to the second pairing so i i think that's that's a fantastic pick um i will say i i've been kind of bummed since his return um it, it does look like he's a little timid I remember seeing a guy who was a little bit more aggressive before the injury uh so now that, that he's come back um I don't know. It just, it, it doesn't look like the same Gustav. And I really can only pinpoint like one 
hard shot that came from uh you know a one timer off the point uh over the last couple of games that he's been back. I'm and sure he's just getting the sea legs. You know how that goes. I, I'm hopeful. I, I just, uh, you know, it's always one of those things where you talk about the mental game. The last thing you want to see is a pattern be built as, as after an injury. So I, I've been super high on Lindstrom. We've devoted entire episodes to how well he's <laughs> playing, uh, which, you know, doesn't do great on YouTube because nobody's searching that. But uh, you know what? We we persevere. We we storm on ahead and we say Gustav's our man. Um, I want to throw, now, we were such huge fans of Gustav at the start here. And we've been trying to find a replacement uh, for DeKaiser. I want to ask you your your hockey opinion. Now, I didn't give you any notion that I was going to ask you this question. <laughs> um, but the the perspective of putting a defenseman on the wrong, the wrong side, putting Lindstrom on the left side to try and, and figure out the problem with um, – to, to, to just flesh out, you know, what we have on the left side uh, for our, all of our defensive pairings. Uh, I, I think Osterley, for some reason, I I put I pegged him as a left side defenseman. He's been a right side defenseman to start the season. So technically, wrong side for him. Can we get a DeKaiser popped out, insert a Lindstrom, or is that too taboo? Am I, am I going too far into taboo area by putting a technically right side defenseman on the wrong side? Well, that depends. Are you thinking of putting DeKaiser on the first or Lindstrom on the first line in DeKaiser's place? Or are you thinking of slotting him in and kind of uh, distributing his minutes, DeKaiser's minutes between a bunch of other defensemen? It's pro- It's got to start with either uh, finding Cider a better partner, which I think you could just put Lindstrom with somebody with a little more experience with, uh, with Hironic on the right side. And then we move Letty back up to that pairing that was a 66% expected goals for percentage and have Letty and, and Cider back together. I think I think it's the direction my brain wants to go first. You know, I remember a game where they had Osterley and Cider together. And if I remember correctly, that was a pretty good pairing. Like they they weren't too bad together. Um I guess I guess it'll depend on the old Blagio blender. Yeah, uh, you know that that guy doesn't like to sit still with the same lines for more than like thirty seconds. Uh, I mean, he literally started last game with Raymond on the bench and Bertuzzi, Larkin, and Sam Gagne. So, like, you know, the guy the guy is just gonna he's gonna switch up everything regardless. I think I'd like to see it at some point, and I imagine they'll experiment with that. But I think they see what's working right now, and they're liking it. Um, and they're you know they're running with it. I'm just hoping that they find some space to put Osterley in place of DeKaiser soon. Yeah, it, it's one of those things, too, where, uh, you know, do we really expect to win a cup this year? No. Uh, so you, get, you really just play the game. Do we just wait till the end of the season and then, you know, bid adieu to, uh, to old the DK, old, but, uh, the old Jonathan Erickson treatment. <laughs> just hang on to it and, and hold your breath and then uh, it'll be done. But, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, if I guess it, it all started this whole conversation on, on our show and with uh, our, our listeners, it all started because we saw Hironic, uh get the uh, the couple of games of, of being a healthy scratch. And it's just like, well, why don't we why don't we try something else just for funsies for funsies? Why not? Um, all right. Moving on. Uh, I know. And I, I absolutely agree with the with the Rasmussen pick there. Um, 
Well, I guess uh, going into the Blasio Blender, uh, I joked today about, uh, you know, how long is it going to take before we start seeing the uh, the Blasio for Jack Adams conversation? Like, uh, <laughs> how long does this pace, how long would this need to continue, right, uh, for, for that first article to come out? For us to be above 500 in points percentage, we are, uh, uh, it's a $68 million cap hit right now. We're without one of our top six forwards. And most would have made the argument we were, you know, going to be pretty far down in, in the standings. Um, really, I wanted to bring this up because I, I feel like Blash does take a lot of hate. And on our show, as our listeners know, uh, we, we do try to maybe not put up too hard of a fight. But uh, I, I do think a lot of Blash's failings have had to deal with, uh, you know, or, or, or have been dealing with the lack of talent on the team. And now all of a sudden there's talent and we look, we look okay. Uh, so I, I guess I want to get your opinion. Cause I, I, every guest we have on here, I bug them. Uh, I couldn't get, I couldn't get Max Boltman to say, you know, to go, uh, further into the idea that, yeah, he's, you know, the team looks better. Um, I got Devin from the hockey writers to kind of go in that direction. Uh, but I, I, I'm, you know, I'm here to say, I think uh, our, our show's official stance is this team looks better than last year and there should be a i i would say a significant amount of credit uh thrown at jeff i will say this first off relating to the jack adams um if all the jack adams entailed was winning coaches challenges he would be a (laughs) perennial scotty bowman tier coach like without a doubt in my mind because that man is an elite coaches challenger um, well, we got to we got to come up with like uh, uh, call uh, Prashant and and have him generate an Excel spreadsheet that scores <laughs> everything and just make sure that that's your that's you know given the most weight that the you, you increase that weighted average <laughs> for those challenges we got him. Yeah, my model says that he's like really really good in that department. Um, <laughs> I mean, the biggest critique that I had and I believe many fans have had is that. Um, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't had that talent in front of him. He hasn't been able to work with a talented enough roster to really make an impact. And the big thing I was hoping for this year is that now that he's got a little bit of talent, uh, let's see what he does with it. So far, I think he's done, I think he's done a good job. Um, I mean, it's hard to do with, with a team that is still lacking talent in a lot of areas. Uh, You know, we still don't have, and I might get some hate for this, an elite first line center. Um, Right. Mort Sider has the potential to become a top number one D-man, but he's not there yet. You know, he's only 20. Um, the goaltending, I like Nedeljkovic, but he's only just recently started to heat up. And then you've got your, you know, the depth to consider. There's there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered, but with the pieces that Blashill has, um, he's done a good job. However, Many of the teams that we've had these big victories against, that the Wings have had big victories against, have been deploying either backup goaltenders or sitting a lot of their, uh, or dealing with injuries or sitting key players. For example, the game against Vegas, they had Laurent Brassant, who I don't think has ever maintained a starter's role. Um, They had injuries to their entire top line, so you don't have Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, or newcomer Jack Eichel. Um, You know, they're just they were just depleted on talent. So it's no wonder the wings feasted on them. 
it it seems like teams are still planning to take the night off against the wings and you know their successes i think have have been good you know raymond's been good cider's been good but it's important to note the quality of competition they've been up against absolutely I, I mean, for me, I, I still come back and uh, I, I would say to Jeff's credit, I mean, he's still dealing with that a, a roster that, uh, you know, is the second uh, lowest uh, salary cap hit. And I guess just to make that that extra defense, I mean, if if these teams are still coming in and saying, you know, we don't have to put in our starting goaltender, goaltender tonight, he can get that rest. Um it's it's still a, a question of you know what what did that goaltender do that night and if you know we say that you know Skinner actually ended up with a pretty good uh, goal saved above expected so he he turned yeah. in a pretty he turned in a pretty decent game despite that uh, that one blunder that uh, you know again will that ever happen to another goaltender the rest of NHL's existence maybe once or twice so I I, I would still say like you got to play who's in front of you. Uh, you get if if you're gonna get the victories uh, in, as opposed to the losses, and and one of the the fights we always make on our show is uh, things could always be worse. Like we we could be still getting uh, the same treatment from across the NHL, but um, you know they could have all been losses. It could have been some of those things where we have those overtime wins where it did go the other direction, or maybe we never did come back against the Washington Capitals, kind of thing. Uh, we, we didn't all come back against We all we all know what bad looks like, right? Uh, so I guess it, it for me, I still got to give Jeff the nod because it, it is things like making sure that Lucas Raymond and uh, and and Bertuzzi and Larkin aren't stifled by the strategy they used last season, which was limit chances across the board. He's he's certainly let the boys go a little bit, and. Um, even to that effect, he knows where the talent's at and uh, pointed out uh, by others way smarter than me last night was his decision to make sure that Larkin was on Connor McDavid every time that he hit the ice. And Larkin uh, just decided to secretly have one of the best defensive starts to a season with uh, one of the uh, like a top 10 ranking and expected goals against per 60 for all uh, starting centers or first line centers, I should say. Uh, and, and just to like make that easy choice, but to know that there was an easy choice and he goes with it and to try and shut down McDavid as best as possible. It, it's, it's just one of those things where I, I, I'm feeling better about Jeff uh, this season, of course, winning always, you know, it, it helps everything. It helps your, your thought process about uh, a lot of different facets of, uh, of any franchise, but um I still, yeah, I can't, I, I'm not ready to, you know, I, I said in just uh, like in our, our pregame notes um, or our pre-discussion notes, uh, the, the Jack Adams is, isn't just, but uh, clearly I, I think I still want to give Jeff a, a, a bit of a nod, if not only because he has received so much negativity over the last couple of years that I, I would say, you know, maybe if, I would say 40% of it is deserved and 60% of it might go closer to the talent level. But um, I I'm in the minority, I think in that, in that discussion, but that's, that's where I still, I'll still land. Jeff, Jeff gets a thumbs up from, from old Matt. Right on. Oh, uh, I want to get back to uh, Verana is kind of like our last uh, topic here. 
team is uh, 40 games now, uh, or I, I should say between now and a potential Verona return, which would be the start of March. I, I would say that's even conservative considering they said four months. He could come back in February. But anyway, let's let's say it's 40 games. Uh, it's going to leave 28 games left. Uh, you're going to have a freshly rehabbed Jakob Verona. In your mind, in those 40 games, is there any shot that Verona's coming back and we're looking at a 28-game playoff push with our maybe we're outside of the playoff picture, but is is there any shot we're still sniffing that and this Jakob Verona return is gonna be the most exciting thing in Detroit sports at the time? I mean, as optimistic as I'd like to be, it's important to consider the division we're in. Um right. you've got the Stanley Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning, the Florida Panthers who have lost only once, and that time was in overtime. Uh, you've got the Toronto Maple Leafs, who had a rough start, but are really starting to pick it up now. I think they're on, they're streaking right now. Um, you've got the Boston Bruins, who, I mean, they just, they just completely decimated the Red Wings a couple of games ago. <laughs> and you've even got teams like Montreal that have had Detroit's number this entire season, clearly wanting to get revenge after the two plus years of, you know, never beating Detroit. Right. Um, Ottawa's gotten better. Buffalo has surprised. Yeah. I don't think Detroit's going to be in the basement of the division, but I think that it's very unrealistic to think that this team is a playoff team, unfortunately. So with, I mean, I, I, I you know, anybody that would, uh, would disagree with that notion, I think, uh, you know, we're just, you're, you're really enjoying what's going on right now a little too oh, much. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but to that end, because uh, I, I would agree with you, so that puts us on the cusp of a trade deadline. Um, I actually this made is joke where there. this is where things start to get interesting, in my opinion. Um, you've got Verona coming back, and you've got these six players on the top two lines that have either done a good or great job. Verona's going to come back, and you're not going to move Zadina down to the third line. Uh, obviously Verona's not going to make it on that first line given how well Bertuzzi and Raymond are playing. When you get him on the second line, are you really going to move down Fabry, who's had a spectacular start to the season? Somebody who's worked outworked some of the best players in the NHL? I don't know. I don't think so. And you're not going to put Verona on the third line. Something's got to give. Somebody might need to go. I don't know who it is. And then you, you know, like that's, that's, you don't even consider Joe Valeno, who is knocking on that NHL door every game in the right. NHL. What do you do? I, Who's the odd man out? You know. Yeah, I think I, and that's. I'm I'm pulling up the cap friendly page. Uh, so we'll we'll go over this. I mean, you've got your your Robbie Fabries, um, Nemistikov right now would be like a, a hot button issue to discuss mm-hmm. uh, trade value. Um, I I I gotta think at that point. Uh, if if we're outside of the playoff picture, which again is is where everybody's head should be at, I I think we're saying goodbye to Fabry. I think that's where you get so most too. back. My um, initial thought was one of the members of the core, the core being Larkin, Fabry, Hronik, and Bertuzzi, is going to get traded, and I don't think it's going to be Bertuzzi. I will. I would say this too. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to lose any subscribers when I throw this out there. Uh, Zadina's got a contract coming up too. You're going to be in this situation where I think we can all see the talent 
the finish just hasn't been there, which I mention all the time on the show. We're talking about a game with a fucking rubber puck and we're on ice skates and the puck bounces across an icy surface and you just can't always predict what's going to go on despite a guy putting up some good numbers from advanced analytics perspective. There's also a lot of good wingers in the next couple of drafts coming up. The thing There's is a lot of opportunity Zadina, there. I mean, I think Zadina is going to be just fine. It's just a matter of him getting that finishing. He is shooting with a ridiculously low shooting percentage. I mean, do you think there's a trade out there that's good enough that we say goodbye to Zadina? I'm going to say that pretty much every Red Wing is on the trading block besides Larkin, Sider, and Raymond. If there's a good enough offer for Zadina, I think he might be shipped off. But it's going to need to be a very good offer. I don't see Iserman making a trade without getting quite a bit back in return. Sorry, Rangers fans. Uh, I don't think you guys are going to get Larkin without giving up Lafreniere plus. I couldn't believe that that conversation even started. Um, <laughs> well, that's not with us right now, but on, on, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, and I, I guess I, I bring that up too, because I, we always make the argument that there shouldn't really be anybody safe on this roster until you know, thing, things are proven and locked in uh, because why would we give up on any opportunity to, to continue to build this team? Um, but that's not in, uh, in, in regards to the Larkin conversation, but definitely more in regards to, uh, to Zadina. If, if somebody sees that maybe they're, maybe we're doing something wrong with developing him and they want to try and fix it, but the only way they can get that opportunity is to make Steve happy. I, I think that's a legitimate conversation, but um yeah, I mean, uh, long story short, I mean, uh, clearly Fabry and Nemistikov for me are probably uh, on the chopping block first. Those are the ones that aren't really going to hurt as much. Uh, the the pain won't uh, won't be as severe. But um, no, yeah, I, mean, I, I I do always uh, try to say, and you, you, I think it's a good uh, bring up uh, humor and levity. It's a good way to go through the rebuilding process with a team. You also got to be pretty flexible. Um, don't buy too many jerseys during the rebuild. You don't oh my know God, that poor, that poor woman on Twitter who bought the Bobby Ryan jersey the day before uh, yeah. he didn't get his PTO. I, uh, I'm i a huge fan of hers. So uh, she, she's great. She, yeah. yeah. She she might be listening. So I, I, I think uh, I sent my sympathies uh, her way. That, uh, that broke my heart. I mean, losing, uh, you know, Bobby Ryan with his story breaks your heart on its own. Um, all right. Uh, so I guess wrapping up here, I, I do want to let you uh, plug some stuff if you have any articles coming out, but uh, also any any final thoughts you want to make sure uh, the Red Wings fans, you know, we haven't, we haven't really left them with the most glowing image of uh, the rest of the season, which is, um, I think it's the responsible thing to do. But uh, any anything you want to part Red Wings fans with as, uh, as we sail off into the sunset here? Yeah. Um, so... Actually, Steve Eiserman started the season with a press conference, and what he said was that the scorecards don't matter. Uh, the wins and loss records are not an important factor for this season, so it's important for everyone watching the games to remember that. I know it's exciting to think about the playoffs and think about the future. What we should be paying attention to right now are the kids and the future of this rebuild. 
Um, when you're, you know, this is a great time to, instead of rooting for the Wings pushing for the Stanley Cup, maybe root for Raymond to get the Calder. Maybe root for Cider to get the Calder. Maybe root for the two of them to split it together. Yeah. Um, root for Bergeron to make a push, Valeno to make a push, Edvinson to have a great season. This is the start of something great. And this is a very exciting season and a great time to be a fan of the Detroit Red Wings. Anyway, uh, no, that was <laughs> that was perfect. I, that is that is the direction to make this a little bit more positive, so that uh, we <laughs> we don't tell everybody to give up hope. Oh, of course. Uh, but, I mean, you, yeah. you you're going to look back on this season and you're going to remember this being like the start of the next big thing. Just remember that if times get dark during the season, if we experience another Montreal pain fest on Saturday, uh, just remember that it isn't about them. It was never about them. <laughs> I like that. That was a good one. Uh, but yeah, uh, anything coming out for uh, Winging It in Motown? And always, where can we find you always. on Twitter? Yes, of course. You can find me on Twitter at Rivard NHL. That's R I V A R D N H L. Um, find me on there. I upload at least a week's worth of content every week. Um, well, duh, a week's worth of content. But anyway, um, <laughs> I've got some stuff coming up soon. I finished my most recent piece, the over underperforming this week. Next week, I think we're going to analyze a little bit more of that problem we were talking about regarding Verona. Um, who's going to go? Who's next on the list? Um, then down the road, I'm going to I'm going to lean into a little bit more on Joe Valeno. Maybe a little prospect roundup. See how the see how the kids are doing. So if you like any of those things, or if any of that sounds appealing, feel free to drop me a follow. Shoot me a message. I'm I'm more than happy to to hear your thoughts, to get to know you, and to to help out Hockey Town however I can. And that uh, the Jack Adams article, you got that slated for like uh, maybe late December, early January. Hey, hey, listen, I'm <laughs> winging it in Motown. I'm not editor in leaf. I'm not going to uh, pull a Austin Matthews scoring is better than Wayne Gretzky's record. You know, I'm going to we're going to be a little realistic here. <laughs> He's only going to win the Jack Adams probably twice in his career. Right, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, this was an absolute blast. I'm glad to have you. We clearly uh, need to have a Witcher conversation at some point. Oh, um, but, uh, yeah, I hope we can have you on again. And, uh, yeah, it's an absolute blast. Great. I can't appreciate uh, what you're doing here for, uh, for Red Wings fans and uh, for us, uh, selfishly, right now, enough. Uh, so thank you so much. Hey, thank you for having me on. Uh, Mike, any uh, parting thoughts? I think my cat got on the hot mic there. Um, You're just no, in my uh, face that you still have a cat. Oh, jeez. Too soon, man. On yourself. Um, no, I'm just, uh, you know, I hope my prediction comes to fruition. And so far, it looks like the wings are uh, going to back it up. And, yeah, I'm pumped to be there. Yeah, and the, uh, uh, sorry, the Mitchell Stevens is on its way too. Like I said, uh, ninety minutes that I'm cutting down to uh, to ten. So I've um, I've at least separated everything I need to do, but the transitions and the music need to be uh, thrown in there as well. Uh, so the Mitchell Stevens is coming. Sorry, Tristan, <laughs> it's on its way. All right, AGM Patriot. Uh, thanks, guys. Let's go Red Wings. Uh, same to you all. Um, thanks for letting us come out uh, without uh, any prep, and you guys all still tuned in. So I really appreciate it. Um, we'll see you guys, um, celebrate that five game winning streak coming up on Sunday. All right. We're bringing up the P word. Yeah. Can't wait. Woo! All right. Have a good one, everybody.